So glad you're with us today, and hopefully it is a, a, a high point to the, your week. It's pretty easy because it's the very beginning. Maybe one of the best things you've done is you know, this first day of the week. Um, we also understand that uh, though we have the privilege of gathering to worship and connecting with friends and, and looking at a great and almighty God, that this is not always the best of times for many people. And our passage this morning will will deal with that. Um, you've probably all heard of Amy Van Dyken Ruin, uh, a Colorado native, won um, six gold medals, most of them at the uh, Atlanta Olympics, uh, won them in swimming. She was in an ATV accident that severed her spine right under the rib. There she is. And uh, the prognosis, of course, is not real good when you sever your spine. And when that happened, I was thinking, oh, you know, it just two years ago, almost two years ago, we had something similar with Mars Decker, and uh, hers was miserable, but not a severed spine. Um, so I'm never getting on an ATV. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, uh, when... Whenever she's interviewed, she has this great uplifting attitude and spirit. And, and, and what they're saying is, if uh, since she has the heart of a lion, if attitude can heal anyone, that she will be healed. However, the, all the skill of the staff of Craig Hospital, as well as all of her pro, uh, positive energy um, that Amy might be able to muster, you have to admit it's quite a challenge with medical technology as we now know it to feel that she will be walking again. So there will be days for Amy in which she will be sad, depressed, maybe even hopeless. And she will have to deal with the fact that she may never walk again. But does that, though it affects her life, though it changes her life in many ways, that you would say, well, because she's not mobile, she doesn't have the quality of life that she would deserve. Yet she can have a great life. And, and when we say that, uh, we understand also that humanity, not all of us are like Amy. Uh, some of us find that over a period of time we get disappointed. Uh, we get stuck, you might say. Uh, we, we fall into a certain pattern or a certain attitude and we can't get out of it. I, I've been with people who have told me, look, I'm probably going to be on antidepressants for, for maybe the, most of, the rest of my life. Or I've been with people who have told me, you know, I have this pattern in my life, this sort of ongoing habit of mine, uh, and I just can't seem to, to, to be able to shake it. And I say, well, how long has this been going on? And they'll say, not just months, but years, maybe even decades. What about the person who prays for healing and no healing comes? What about a person who's so stuck in a certain situation that it holds him or her back. And, and, and now that person feels that she is hopelessly stuck in this situation. What about some people who, who say, you know, I, I prayed, but because I didn't see God intervene, um, I've sort of jettisoned God. I've given up on him. He, he doesn't, you know, he may exist, but he doesn't care about me. There's a great example in scripture. For those, for those of us who seem to be stuck in situations, but more than that, most of us might know somebody who's there. Uh, 
and cannot seem to break out of it. They might still believe in God, but they don't believe God, you might say. They don't believe that he's aware of the need or that he cares uh, for that person in that situation. They feel, in a way, bypassed by God. You know, we say that our mission here at Bergen Park Church is to honor God. And, and, and as we honor him and as we try to do it in the home and in the community and in the world, you know, as we try to honor God, what about the person who says, you know, I, I feel very distant from God because he just wasn't there for me when I asked. Jesus comes to a certain situation in John chapter 5, and it's really one of these situations where the stuck are set free. Uh, <clears throat> John's gospel speaks to this person who would probably say, God may be at work and God may be dealing in other people's lives, but he has overlooked my need. I feel bypassed. Uh, and, and it's not just for a moment, for, but for most of my lifetime. Uh, John writes to show us that God's son, God himself, but God's son, does not neglect the needy. And we expect God to work because He cares about us. And here's the passage. I'm in John chapter 5. And it's probably one of the longest introductions to what Jesus does of any passage in Scripture. So it begins with this, John chapter 5, verse uh, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. Those of you from the East Coast would know of Bethesda, Maryland, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Did you hear that? 38 years. Now, the situation is this. This is one of the few times in which Jesus goes into Jerusalem alone. He doesn't have his disciples. He doesn't have his entourage. This isn't the time when he gets the big parade and everybody notices him. He slips in for probably what is uh, the the Feast of Tabernacles, where the Jews leave their homes, set up a little shack outside of their homes, and live in it for seven days. And at that time, they celebrate. Now, if you're Jewish, you have to understand, every festival you have is a religious festival. They didn't have a July 4th, okay? They don't have a Labor Day. They don't have a Memorial Day. It's only religious holidays. So this one celebrates how God provided bread, meat, and water for them and when they were alone in the wilderness for over 40 years. So as Jesus comes into this city, the city is overflowing with pilgrims, everybody living outside, and everybody fairly busy to make all the preparations they need uh, so that they can celebrate this festival together. Bethesda means house of mercy. And this pool of Bethesda uh, is... It's quite ornate in that it says it has colonnades, columns with arches, and, and, and they all connect, and there's, uh, there's like two pools, but, 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 but the arches connect them, and, and it says they're covered, and, and, and it's, and it's a great, it'd be a great tourist stop, but instead, it's where all the homeless, the sick, the invalids, and the dying lived. In other words, this is the place where Mother Teresa went to Jerusalem. This would be her headquarters. This is where the needy people showed up. Now, 
It, there is a legend about this pool, and it, again, legends tend to grow over a very small information that comes in. The legend about this pool tells why so many find themselves there. They are, uh, they are dropped off by their families or they stay there for a specific purpose. And that is, occasionally, the water stirs in the pool. I don't know if that means bubbling or, or something like that. The scripture doesn't tell us. But when the bubbling occurs, the legend is, first one in gets healed. Not the second, not the third, first one. So they would be waiting there. Now, you know the ones who would get closer and closer to the edge, right? I mean, I would. So that if it's bubbling, I could push my neighbor away and jump in myself. Uh, probably it's surrounded by that. and It's not used so much for drinking water anymore. But there are people waiting. Now, the legend probably has some merit to it. They can at least look at one person or several people who over a period of decades uh, was healed when they got in there first. What I fail to believe is that someone got in second and nef- nothing ever happened. Okay? Um, so, it, yet we have to understand that, believe me, I don't care what you drink. It doesn't have healing powers per se. There's no type of water that I've ever heard of. But the people gather here. And this invalid comes and he, he has been an invalid for 38 years. Barb and I just celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary. So I was trying to think, um, no, it hasn't been miserable. Okay. It's been wonderful. But as we celebrated, I was, we were trying to think, where, where did we go see this person sing? Was it while we were dating or when we were married? Was it in Australia? We can't remember 38 years ago. We remember being single, but we can't remember. Everything is sort of a, a marvelous, joyful blur. Okay. <laughs> and it really is. So, you know, uh, here is a man who's been here for 38 years. Uh, and somehow he's lost his ability to walk. And probably what happens, therefore, is his family members would probably take him early in the morning and they would drop him off there because everything else we have tried to uh, for him does not work. He has no other hope. He should just wait here for this superstitious pool uh, to maybe bring about healing in his life. Now, if you're at the same place for 38 years, you have the feeling you become sort of a fixture and nobody ever notices you? Let me give you an example. Because I don't think people even took notice of him anymore. As you come up I-70 and you leave Golden and you start to climb the hill, there's that Conoco station on, on 40. And just beyond the Conoco station, there's a sign, black letters on a big white uh, sign, okay? Now, that has been there since as long as I can remember, uh, which may be three days, but it's as long as I can remember. And do you, what does it say? Who said that? Thanks, Mar. Okay. I was hoping to stump the band here, okay? Yeah, succeed, Colorado succeeds or we all fail. And I was going to take a drive down last night to make sure I got the words right, but I forgot. But to be honest with you, every time I go up, I go up only two or three times a week. Some of you go up and down, you know, every day. So I have totally forgotten because it's become a fixture. I don't even look at it anymore. And that's what's going on with this guy. 
You see, he's become a fixture. And they think that he's just going to be there and one morning they'll come and they'll find him dead. Because nothing is going to happen to him. Well, so why does he stay there? Well, I I think he stays there because he's got nowhere else to go. He probably doesn't have much hope after all these years that anything's going to happen to him. But it's the only place he's got. So he's overlooked by others. And my guess is also he's given up on himself and he's given up on God. He has no hope to be healed, but he stays at the pool day after day. What better does he have to do? So after 38 years, can you really blame him? At least he's doing something with his life. He may be stuck and he may remain stuck, but he's living out his life beside a pool that some say just might heal him. Now into this situation comes Jesus in verse 6. And uh, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, so Jesus comes alone. People don't even know who he is. Uh, He comes alone and um, he, he he sees everything that's going on around this pool, and for some reason he puts his eyes on this pe- on this person, and uh, then it says he learned what his condition was. Now, for those of you theologically minded, we're not going to touch that today. Okay, we're not going there. We're going somewhere else. So I, you can think about that all morning. How did he learn? Well, if he's a Sunday, okay, but we're not going there. So if you've picked it up, drop it. Jesus sees him, he knows his situation, and then he decides that this is the one that God is going to work through. So he approaches the man, and he asks him the big question. And he asks the big question to a lot of us, even some of us out here. Does God really aware of what I'm in And does he care? And is he going to work? Very important question. He looks at him and he says, do you want to get well? I've focused on that question a lot this week. And I've been trying to say, of all the questions he could ask, why did he decide to ask that one? Now, if we were to ask Amy Van Dyken, do you want to get well at this stage of her life? Absolutely. But if we're to ask instead this man for 38 years, maybe it wouldn't be the same answer anymore. He might have just given up even thinking that anything would happen. So he asked not, uh, he asked, do you want to get well? He does not ask, do you believe that you can be healed? He doesn't even just come up and say, hey, get up. Take up your mat and walk. He asks that question and the guy has to answer him. The invalid has to say something. And this is what it's getting down to. It's getting down to uh, the question of real faith. And is it, do you have a belief in God or do you believe God in your life? See, we can ask the question, and probably about 90% I hear of Americans still believe that there is a God. No matter what science tries to do, somehow inside of our spirits, inside of our hearts, we believe there is a God. But that is a sort of an intellectual ascent. Do you believe that there is a God, some power out there who is greater uh, than than humanity? And, And most of us would say yes, but that's a very different question from this. Do you believe God? Because when you ask that question, what you are truly asking is, 
Do you believe God is aware of your situation, that he's personal? Do you believe that God has a heart for you in your hurt? Do you believe that? And do you believe he's at work? Very different questions. Do you believe in God or do you believe God? I believe, not that the scripture says it, but I believe after 38 years of being an invalid, however many years of that spent at the pool, he no longer believed God. And I'm not ashamed to say that about him. I don't think I'm revealing any hidden secrets about him. I, 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 I think I understand the limits of humanity. And because nothing ever happened, he no longer believed that God would change his life. Here at Bergen Park Church, you can find him on the, on the back of your program here. We list our mission statement and our core values. And one of those is a transformational relationship with God. By that we mean we really believe God. Now, perfectly? Absolutely not. But it's more than coming here and having a belief in God. We believe that our relationship with God changes the very core of our being. It changes our lives. And so when we say that, we write down under that, we say real change uh, for most of us today will happen through God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. And that as I'm in God's word, I will find what God wants for me. And for many of those things, I, you know, I, I can make that willful decision. As I'm in touch with God's spirit who comes into my life when I become a believer, I understand there's a new power source for me. And when I'm with God's people, I understand there's new examples for me to, to follow and to learn from. This person only had Jesus and Jesus was enough. And I want to say the same for you. If you only have Jesus, you're better off than a lot of humanity. This person didn't have God's people because they had abandoned him. This person didn't have the spirit because the spirit hadn't yet come. But this person had God in the flesh and God's son comes to him and he says, do you want to get well? The core value, if you believe God, is that in a relationship with him, change can occur and does. Well... God's son was willing to bring about change in this man's life just by speaking it, that he has that much power. But first we have to deal with the man's answer. And did you see the answer here? He says, sir, the invalid replies in verse 7, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Do you see what his first two answers are? First, well, he doesn't answer the question, right? Just avoids it altogether. And he gives the reason why he is not healed by the pool. The first reason is, I've got no one to help me. In other words, my friends have deserted me. I've used that one a lot. Hey, where are you? I need you. And they don't show up. But the second one was, these these pushy other invalids. (laughs) They, you know, their legs are better than mine and they crawl or they jump their way and they get in and they get healed, which is probably not always true. Probably just a smattering of, of them do. But he says, it's, it, it's my friend's fault. It's the other sick people's fault. And then I would also add this. It's the pool's fault. How dare you put your trust in a pool of water? 
But when that's all you got, when you think that's all you got, maybe that's all you can try to accept. But God's Son can speak healing into being. Because to heal the man, that's all he says. That's all he says. So let's face it, when it comes to this man's excuses, I think he does pretty well. Now, I've had a lifetime of excuses. Uh, I, I, I find that they work very well. The one I'm using now is, I'm too old. I can't memorize scripture anymore. I'm too old. I can't go on that hike. I'm too old. I want to say, don't ever use that one with my wife, Barbara. You will be very sorry that you do. But others that I've heard is, it's just who I am. I've been that way all my life. Accept me. Oh, we accept you. We just don't think you ought to stay stuck there. Or it's part of my DNA or my parents did not raise me right. I had a rough childhood. Uh, as the summary goes on and on, it says I'm stuck and I'm going to stay stuck and I can't get unstuck. And to be honest, I don't want to be unstuck. I don't believe I can be unstuck. And that's when Jesus, I think after the man got real honest, and though he didn't say it in words, he's saying, no, I don't believe anymore. I really don't believe and. I, you know, the question nobody's asked me for decades, do I want to get well? We learn to live in our misery pretty well, I think. That's, that's human. We, we can say, I've moved on, but you haven't moved on. You've just accepted what you've got. Um, <clears throat> so it says in verse 8, Jesus then said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. In other words, he obeyed the command. And the day on which he did this was the Sabbath, which we'll explain just a little bit later. So uh, what Jesus is simply declaring here is that your excuses are no match for God's intervening power. And he commands him to get up. He does get up, and away he goes. And instead of becoming the celebrity of the town, he gets confronted as being a lawbreaker because you can't be healed on a Saturday. So um, this is where... We have to uh, focus on this phrase because at the end of this passage, Jesus looks at the people who declares that man uh, a lawbreaker and, and they say, how dare you heal him on this day? And he says, my father's always at work. My father's always at work. And so am I. God never takes Saturdays off. You may feel that you've been overlooked, but the nature of God says, I don't do that. That's not in my nature. I cannot not do that. Yeah. You you know what I mean? I cannot not work on Saturday. I have to work on Saturday. Now, you might find you need that day of rest, and I would highly recommend it, but don't you start telling me the Almighty God who has the planet spinning throughout the universe, that I'm going to take a day off. I cannot not do that. And so, as we get real personal here, let's step into the the unused shoes of this invalid. Um, and, And think about this. Have you been stuck in a situation for a long time, but you really see nowhere out? You've tried the medicines, you've tried the superstition, you've tried the self-talk and the self-help books, you've tried willpower, you've tried therapy groups, and and you've tried all the other remedies. Uh, And this account simply gets back to saying, 
I don't care if it's 38 years. I don't care if it's two months. Whatever it is, do you want to get well? Same question. What is the illness or the situation that seems to be controlling you and makes you stuck? Anger? Inability to show love because you were not shown love? Um, strained relationships that don't just seem to get better? Scars of abuse, and by that I mean all types of abuse. Bad habits that you've developed that have turned into addictions. All of these things. Let's let's get spiritual here too. How about a walk with God you've always wanted to have, but you never really get started because you're stuck with not having it. You never get off the ground. Maybe some of you have been waiting on promises from others to be fulfilled and they never do. The list can be long and it can be very personal. Whatever it is that you feel stuck in and you say you are stuck. How about it? I I, I want to say I, I believe God has two specific situations and, 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 and sort of like healings. And I'm going to use an example of a person that many of us know. Um, in the summer of 1967, I was a lifeguard at a pool. And while I was watching people in the pool, there were a group of people carrying a young 17-year-old lady out of the pool. Her name was Joni Erickson. And um, she had a diving accident, jumping into a lake, and uh, became a quadriplegic. And in many situations, these people don't even live. Well, since that day, she has not been able to move anything from her neck down. And yet through it, she's learned to become a painter with her mouth. She's learned to uh, be able to write books and do all these marvelous and wonderful things. Um, Joni has a vibrant faith in God that has caused transformational growth and huge influence on, on really on the whole world, especially the, the disabled population. Um, I was reading her blog, and I know some of you are laughing. Jim reads blogs, yeah. Yeah, I was. I'm catching up, okay? I was reading her blog from this week, and um, she says that this last week, uh, it, it was uh, June 8th, I think. She says, on June 8th, one of my friends sent me a picture of the excavated pool of Bethesda. Now, it's now 50 feet further down because Jerusalem, they just build up and up. So you're looking way down into it. And then she remembered, as she saw that picture, that when she was lying in the hospital soon after her injury, she would have her friends read that passage to her. And she said, I would use that passage to tell God, I want to be healed. But here's what she says. God said no. But how wise of him, because a no answer has meant yes to the following things. A deeper prayer life, a vibrant love for his word, a compassion for others who hurt, a despising of sin, a happy hope of heaven, an attitude of gratitude, a growing dependency on God, and an ever-increasing love for Jesus. In short, God 
did a deeper healing. I've learned there are really more important things in life than walking. I want to say this. If I had a choice, and I, inhumanly, if I had a choice of, you know, can you walk or will you remain stuck, I'd choose walking any day. We should. But this seems to be something in which God is saying no. And I think, to be honest, there's two situ- you know, there's two sort of, you, you might call two ways of God here. And though God said no to healing her, understand that God still heals. And he doesn't need a pool to do it. But also he's using modern medicine. As we grow in our understanding of what he's created, he continues to use that in therapies and wisdom and good friends to help us through it. So we do not give up on praying for healing for people. But secondly, for those of us who are stuck, there's sometimes this deeper healing. And we are told that this deeper healing lasts for eternity. So she ends her blog this way. If you are struggling with a physical issue and God does not seem to be answering your request for healing, look for the deeper healing. It's something that will last for all eternity. Let's pray. How amazing, Lord God, is your son Jesus. For when he shows up alone and puts his fixation, his attention on this one man, we see that things really change rapidly in his life and not all for the good. But how amazing is your son? And Lord, in every situation where people are carrying around physical, emotional, social pain in their lives, where they are disabled in so many ways other than physical. That's just part of being human. And we pray, we pray that you, because you know of their situation and you care for them, that you would complete your promise, as you said, my father is always at work, and as his son, so am I that we would pray you do your work in these people, and for those of us who are stuck, that you continue to do your work in our lives. But Lord, secondly, would you make us open also to the deeper healing? Joni Erickson, now Joni Erickson Tata, she married, um, was a very active physical person. And yet now that she is not active and not as physical, you've used her mind and her heart to probably have a greater influence than we could ever imagine. We also continue to pray that your spirit works in our lives for this so-called deeper healing that lasts for eternity. We thank you in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Let's stand.